You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The car feature with Nicole Lowe. certain days that sound that sound out of the exhaust can really grate you but then there's some beautiful sounds from the exhaust as well but what kind of problems can you expect to have with your exhaust nicole technical specialist and uh, former technical editor for car magazines got a lot of insights about uh, exhaust sound which we're talking about nicole good afternoon Good afternoon, Azania, on the listeners. So I'm really curious about how engineers tune exhaust pipes um, because, you know, they can deliver either a great sound that just gets you so revved up, pardon the pun, or uh, it can deliver a sound that you just, that, that, that makes you irritable. Yes, I think we need to distinguish between the, the performance vehicles where we want to hear the sound and you want to be excited, like petrol heads will know what we talk about. And in your normal run-of-the-mill vehicles, you want, probably want quiet, you don't want intrusive noise, you don't want cabin boom, but all those things can be engineered. So if you think about the engine as your sound generator, while we still got internal combustion engines, <laughs> that's your sound generator, and it helps, obviously, if you have a... Uh, an engine with a large capacity and plenty of cylinders because that that gives you that nice sound. You all know about the V8 rumble and uh, the Ferrari scream that you get and all those kind of iconic sounds. So they're also brand related. So remember, a brand also want to link the exhaust sound to their own brand. They don't want a vehicle to sound like anything else. Mm. Um, So that's all engineered. So if you think about the engine as as a sound generator, Think of the exhaust pipe as an organ pipe, which you can tune. So you can tune the lengths, you can tune the diameters, you can tune um, the flaps at the end. Uh, you've got active flaps these days that can also create either louder sound or more full volume or softer or give you different harmonics and so on. So engineers, sound engineers on exhaust, they spend countless hours listening to different uh, different options and tuning the parts. And you can actually do it uh, with simulations first, and then obviously you have to listen to it on, on the real vehicle. Um, but, yeah, the petrol heads out there, they would know. I mean, there's, there's nothing like a supercar going down the street <laughs> and that, that fine tingling sound that you hear. I know some people get annoyed and all those kind of things, and it probably will disappear when we get to electric uh, vehicles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just some other interesting things. So sound regulations, and obviously sound regulations out there, very strict on maximum sound levels, and how car makers can get past that is with the active exhaust flaps. So you can make it quiet. Don't annoy your neighbors during startup and you drive away and you need a mountain pass. You can open those flaps with a button and then you can get the full experience. And uh, what obviously manufacturers also do these days, they pipe some of the sound through the speaker system. So it sounds fruity Ooh. inside the cabin, but outside it's actually quiet. One of the vehicles that I've driven that does that <laughs> very well, if you want to say that, some people hate it. It's like a BMW i8. I mean, that's got a... It's a hybrid vehicle with a tiny 1.5 three-cylinder petrol engine. But if, you, if you're in that car and you floor it, it sounds like you're driving a supercar with all the sound through the speakers. Outside, <laughs> it's quiet. Yes. So there's a couple of things you can do. And, I mean, there's a lot of people playing around with exhaust systems as well for mm-hmm. more power and more sound. Okay. Just a, a, a few tips out there, and it's talking about exhaust tips. 
the exhaust tip itself, it's a nice visual uh, element at the back. We all love to see the exhaust part of a performance vehicle, but it doesn't really influence the sound that, that much. So if you've got a standard exhaust system and you change now the exhaust tip to something that looks like a drain pipe, it's not going to alter the sound that much. It just maybe looks a bit stupid in the end, <laughs> depending on, on, on your opinion of that. So it's a system. It's a system. It, it all depends on all the lengths, all the diameters, and it's a whole system that creates that sound. But as I say, maybe the last point out there, um, the visual um, effect of the exhaust has become so important that some of the manufacturers out there are now putting fake exhaust on their vehicles. So it's like integrated in the bumpers. Some of the German manufacturers are guilty of this. You see this this nice chrome uh it's a funny shape sometimes, exhaust part, but then when you look underneath, it's all just plastic chroming, and there mm. oh, underneath the vehicle is a stubby exhaust part that's not even going out that hole. So wow. you know, the, visual, the visual effect is, is taking over, but uh, if you're a petrolhead like myself, I like an actual exhaust part where the fumes come out at the back of the car. But as I say, we should, we should treasure it because it's almost gone when electric uh, you know, arrives. Yes, let's get to the calls. Your calls this afternoon on zero one one eight eight three zero seven zero two. A couple of people have been patiently waiting to speak to you, Nicole. Carl, on the question of exhaust, you've given us a call. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to know how they bypass the noise pollution because uh, look, I understand. I was listening to the gent who was saying these flaps and whatever. Uh, I know a lot of the cars don't even have those. Now, I love the sound of V8s and so on, but you've got these cars that are running around making so much noise. Mm. How, how are they not being pulled over by the cops? Nicole? Yeah, so obviously in South Africa, the sound regulations aren't as they are in, in Europe. So a lot of people out there with performance cars in South Africa will add extra modifications to the exhaust system for that additional sound. That doesn't mean a vehicle was actually uh, released with that. There's also exhaust systems that you can fit to some of these supercars that will specify race use only or race track use only. A lot of owners will fit those pipes and then go and drive around the streets and sometimes annoy people. I think there's a, there's a place for, for exhaust sound and there's a place to, to be quiet. Um, talking about noise regulations, it's very strict in Europe, noise regulations. They've got a uh, a microphone that they'll put on a certain height. The vehicle needs to be drive at a certain speed, made a certain noise. There's a, there's a whole document on exhaust uh, regulations. But there's also ways to sort of get past it. One is active flaps where the exhaust can be quiet and can be loud with a, with a push of a button. And if I remember in the 90s, some of the vehicles had exhaust pipes that were turned down and actually facing the road, the ugly mm. things at the back mm. of the vehicle. I don't know if you remember those. I do, yeah. Apparently, that bend in the exhaust was also to defeat noise regulations, as far as uh, somebody told me. I don't know if there's any truth. Maybe somebody can Google. But, yeah, so there's ways and means to get past the regulations. But uh, in summary, you want the cars to be quiet in the neighborhood, don't annoy yeah. people. But then on a racetrack and a mountain pass or whatever, then really you want that spine-tingling scream. Oh, Carl, thank you for your question. Robert, uh, you've also been waiting to speak to Nicole. Hello. Hi, it's Robert. Yes, welcome, Robert. Good. Thank you. Um, Nicole, uh, Nicole, diesel particulate filters. I drive a Japanese SUV diesel, about 130,000 kilometers and I've been advised, take the DPF out, put a straight-through pipe in, and modify your ECU. <clears throat> My question is, is it worth it doing this, or should I just give it standard? Okay. Nicole, any questions? Yeah, first question, uh, first, first uh, remark is actually just make 100% sure that your vehicle's got that filter fitted. 
because I know a lot of vehicles that get imported might have to filter in Europe, but it's a delete option for our market because we're only at Euro 2. So most of our Japanese uh, Bucky's SUVs, they, they, they've got a delete option, so it's like straight through pipe. There's no other filter anyway. So that's the first thing. So if it's got that filter, um, I wouldn't go down the route of, of taking it out, straight piping it. I mean, there's a lot of diagnostics running on that filter. It's got a pressure sensor pre and post. It measures the level. It activates the regen strategy of the engine. Um, when, it, when it becomes a problem, it's when that filter is completely full and it can't regen anymore, but it will give you messages on the instrument cluster in the service. Regen can sometimes still save it. But there is situations where you drive, stop, start traffic, all the vehicles live. It gets to a stage where it can't regen. It's too full, and a dealership will tell you, okay, look, we need to fit a new one. Now it costs 50,000 rand to change it. So then you get to a point where you think to yourself, oh, well, maybe I'm not going to spend 50,000. Let's look at what other ways and means are there to get around it. Obviously, it's bad for the environment to put a straight through pipe. So my, my opinion would be take care of the vehicle, drive it as is. It was developed with the DPF. It should run its lifetime with the DPF. Yeah. Watch the, what that messages on the screen. And well, the worst thing you can do with a DPF vehicle is just drive in town all the time. If you take it on an open road, it will passive regen, as I said, and it should be fine. So yeah. I, I wouldn't do it just as a precaution. Just run it as it is. There you go, Good. Robert. Okay, Thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Calling from Bedford View, we've got Mpo in Kempton Park. Hello, Mpo. Hi, Zanya, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for the time. Um, I drive a 2017 Polo Vivo uh, automatic transmission. Mm. I have a problem after about 10, 15 or 20 days, uh, when the engine suddenly gets warm, it starts jacking. So it will jack when it moves to 2 and 3, as if something will take me behind. It's so terrible. And then uh, when I'm doing manual shifting, it sort of works uh, smoother as long as I let off the uh, gas and allow the engine to slow before in engaging the next gear. And downshifting when warm is more noticeable, but not brutal like when it's upshifting to one and two. So I took it in and had this guy to look at it and uh, sort of look at it, but he quoted me something like uh, 30,000 or so. So uh, the gearbox cap is 09G, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm not sure if I should then replace the end to replace the whole gearbox or fix whatever the problem could be with it. Hmm. Okay, it, it sounds like it might be a gearbox problem. So I would definitely take it to a, a, a for a second opinion added gearbox specialist. Yeah, I think with a Polo Vivo, it's just a normal torque converter type gearbox. So what usually happens is if something goes wrong with the torque converter, there's either seals that start leaking uh, oil and so on on the torque converter itself. So there's some of these uh, specialist transmission companies that can fix the torque converter. Others will just replace it. And there's a big cost difference between there. If, if, a, if a specialist can actually open a converter, change the seals and close it up again, it's a big job, but it will, it will cost a lot less. So... Changing a whole gearbox is very expensive. Even in a Polo Vivo, new would probably be like, I don't know, 50, 80,000 rands. It will be something crazy. Um, so I don't think that is a viable way. Uh, obviously, if you can get a second-hand one that is sort of from a baker's yard, from a newer type or from a vehicle with low mileage, that can also be an option. But my opinion will be definitely a gearbox specialist. Go for a second opinion. And make sure it is the gearbox. The jerking doesn't come from somewhere else. But if you mention it, you can change the behavior by changing gears and so on. It, it does sound like it is gearbox behavior. Okay. 
Yeah, because it happens a lot when it's warm. When it's cold, when you start it off in the morning, everything is fine. And when it cools down, it just it's okay again. Okay. Yeah. It's just lastly, the, the easiest thing to do is change the gearbox oil. Uh, drain the oil, put new gearbox oil in, see how it behaves. Because there's also a service interval on gearbox oil that sometimes people just uh, uh, avoid. Okay. Just don't do it. Mm. There you go, Pa. Thank you. Thanks for those suggestions, Nicole. There uh, is Mpo, Kempton Park. Um, and you can also give us a call. But first, we've got to take a break and then more with Nicole Lowe. 702. The Car Feature. With Nicole Lowe. And we're back with Nicole to take your uh, technical questions. Sposiso, you're calling us from Pretoria. Um, what's on your mind today at your car? I just want to ask about uh, the kilometers on the clock. Like, do you go with the engine? Like, if I buy the new engine, will I get, like, uh, oh. a zero, zero uh, kilometers on the clock? That's so interesting. Nicole? Yeah, so in modern vehicles, uh, actually in the old ones as well, with the old style clocks, that was actually on the clock itself. And the new ones as well, the instrument cluster is a little computer by itself. So it stores the, the mileage on the instrument cluster. So if you change the engine, the cluster wouldn't know about it and it will still show you the, the mileage before the engine change. So it stays with the, with the cluster. Um, just an interesting thing is that there's some, um, obviously, um, for security purposes, the instrument cluster, your key, the ECU, they all need to communicate with each other. And um, if, they, if they don't communicate, the vehicle won't start. So sometimes the instrument cluster is included in that, and sometimes not. It all depends on on vehicle model, but it it it, it helps avoid that. For example, you can source an instrument cluster at a breaker's yard with a much lower mileage than your vehicle. Just fit that, and then sell the vehicle as a low mileage vehicle when it's not. Right. So, but yeah, the the as far as I know, most of the instrument clusters store the the mileage inside the, the cluster itself. Mm, that's so interesting. Okay, so if you add a new engine, do they reset it to zero? No, you shouldn't really do that because Can't it tells know. you the history of the vehicle. Mm. So I would rather just make a note in your owner's manual or the service book at what uh, stage the engine or what uh, mileage the engine was changed. But uh, the, the mileage on the cluster, that shows you the Doesn't. history of the vehicle. So okay. that shouldn't be done for All right. Uh, we've got Dev in Soweto. A quick one from you, Dev, because we're out of time. Hello, hello. Uh, yes. Hello, Nicole. Welcome. Yeah, I've got a 2008 Cosca S. Uh, what happened was uh, we had to do the service and change the trans- they call it a transfer airbox. But now, when you drive between 100 and 110 kilometers per hour, there's a sound that comes from whether it's the prop shaft or what. But once you pass that 110, then it, it drives normal. I don't know what could be the problem. Oh, so below 110, you get a sound. Yes, below one ten you you get a, a sound like ooh, and then after that there's quiet. Like, okay. Yeah, you you feel like it's a it's a prop shaft training or what? Even when you stop, it will go slowly. Oh right, below one ten. Nicole, anything yeah. that could be attributed to that? I like the sounds. It sounds very realistic. I must say. <laughs> um, yeah. So what it can be is on a prop shaft. There's a little link. It looks like a cross. Um, and if it wears out, the whole sort of prop shaft will go out of balance. It needs to be greased. It needs to be in good condition. It almost sounds to me like it's a prop shaft issue itself that okay. that's making that noise because it sounds like well, the sound that, that we heard on the radio now is that it's related to vehicle speed. So the faster you go, the higher pitching the, the sound gets, and that's the prop shaft turning faster. 
So if it's not a, the gearbox itself making that noise, I will investigate all the joints on the prop shafts. Look at that little cross okay. link that's on the prop shafts itself and maybe service it or just fit a new one because it sounds like that's where it might be coming from. All right. It's time to check out those joints. Nicole, what a great afternoon. Thank you for that. Thanks, Azania. That's Nicole Lowe.